All right. Hey, well, welcome everyone. It's so great to have you guys at Married Life. Praise the Lord. It's spring, right? I actually, uh, I don't know, is, I talked to a couple people. I'm kind of beginning to boycott coats. I think they might be optional from this day forward just because I'm ready for warm weather. But anyways, we want to let you guys just kind of hang out, get a chance to know some people around you. If you're at a table by yourself, go ahead. If you want, move to another table. Uh, this is gonna, We're just going to have a few minutes or a little bit of time of kind of getting to know the people around us. We've got at our tables, we've got some Arnold Palmer's water. I think there's Sprite, maybe a couple other snacks. I think there's brownies. Uh, and if you're looking for something to talk about, you could maybe talk about uh, the best date experience you have. That would be a good one. And maybe why it was so awesome. Or if you want to talk about like the worst date experience, I don't know, that'd be kind of a little different. But just spend a little bit of time. Uh, my wife, I'm Tim. My wife, Rachel's right here. Uh, we're going to be uh, we have the opportunity to share in a little bit, but take a little bit of time, just get to know the people at your table, and we'll be back up in a little bit. All right, all right. Well, hey, we want to, again, welcome everyone to Married Life. It is awesome to have you here tonight. My wife, uh, Rachel, and I, uh, we're going to get a chance to share tonight. We want to talk a little bit about our story so you can know kind of who we are. Uh, but before we get going, we figured we'd take a minute and just... Uh, just uh, spend time listening to a worship song. So we're going to play a worship song. It's called Build My Life. Uh, you don't have to stand up. You definitely can if you want. You could stay sitting. But this is just a time for us to pause our day and say, hey, Jesus, we're also thinking about you um, in, in all this. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I can get so busy in the, the run of things that like things just, like the day seems to fly by. So we're just going to stop for a minute and then... Uh, and listen to a worship song. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get that going. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for tonight. Father, as Rachel and I are sharing, we ask you, Lord, to speak through us. We want to give you all the honor and all the glory. And in this moment, Lord, we just want to surrender ourselves completely to you. We give you this, this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, a name above every Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh, we live for you.
Well, Father, we just thank you for this time where we get to come together and sharpen and encourage each other. Father, the biggest cry of our heart is that we would individually build our lives upon who you are, Jesus, but then also we would build our marriages upon who you are. So we love you, Lord. We thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. All right, well, we're doing something kind of cool tonight. Uh, we're also joining in, and we're having Facebook uh, Facebook Live. So you'll be able to go back and watch this later if you want to. Come on. So I think we should be live, hopefully. Hey, Facebook, hopefully we're live right now. Uh, it's awesome having you join us today. Uh, my name's Tim, and this is... Rachel. Hi, everyone. Come on. Well, uh, we, uh, we get the awesome opportunity to share tonight. We were supposed to share in January, uh, but snow happened. Um, we canceled the first one, and then uh, we get to share now. So uh, basically what we wanted to do is uh, we want to share a little bit out of our story and our history and kind of where we came from. Facebook! Awesome. It's great having you here with us. We're so excited. We're at Married Life here at Res Life. It's Wednesday night. Uh, we're so excited. We're joining live. So um, yeah, we want to take and, and share a little bit about who we are. But before we get into that, we want to talk about being raw and real inside of our marriages. Uh, one, thing, one thing I've realized, especially with growing with, with kids in the house, uh, that it's so easy to tr and I see this in my kids, and it makes me remember the areas that I've struggled. How many of you guys have, ki have kids, and then they do something, and you realize, oh, yeah, I, I, I did that. Uh, when I, you know, it's like, praise the Lord, you know. Uh, um, but with, with kids, I've realized that I've struggled at times about being who I, who I'm, who I actually am, and, and I realize that there's a tendency at times to cover things up, hide things, maybe play things a little different because you want to make sure that you get the right response out of the other person, right? Like, there, there's, there, there's, a, there's a temptation inside of marriage for the husband to maybe not say what is actually going on because he's like, well, he wants the wife to not know where he's actually at or, or vice versa from from there. Uh, so what we want to talk, and I'm going to hand it over to, to Rachel, open up this idea of what does it look like to be raw and real with your spouse? And real quick before I hand it over, realization that we're all, like, like we're all in different places, whether you're joining online or here, we're all in different places with our marriage. And our goal, I'll just, I'm just going to tell you our goal, uh, spoiler alert, um, our goal is at the end of today, you would say, hey, what's one step that we as a couple could take closer to being more raw and more real? And the, also the realization that everyone has areas that we can grow in this. So I'm going to hand it over to you and you can get yeah, it going. So when we were really talking about what we wanted to cover, because it's our first time getting to share since we've switched to married life, um, we... We just wanted to let you know who we are, like what we've come from through the power of Jesus Christ, making us more and more like him every day because we're letting him. And so, but we, we wanted to be real with you 
as a model of how we were able to be real with Jesus and be made whole with him, but then we were able to come together from a history of sexual brokenness, both of us, but we were able to be reclaimed by God, and then we were able to come together in, in a real and raw way. And just what God's done with that, even past marriage, um, it continuing. And so we just wanted to kind of break down um, just to cover. Um, there's a scripture, I'm sure most of us have heard this, that the man shall leave his mother and father and be joined um, or hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Praise the Lord. Yes. And that is quoted at least four times in scripture. I found it four times. There are similar quotes that don't quite fulfill that whole part, the whole portion of becoming one flesh um, with your wife or your husband. But it's, it's said by God in Genesis 2, 24. God says it while he's creating them, uh, Adam and Eve and their union. Jesus says it twice. Jesus says it once in Matthew 19. He says it in Mark 10, and then Paul says it in Ephesians 5.31. So this scripture is very, very, very important. So the man shall leave his father and mother and, and cleave or hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So when you look at the word one, the Jewish people say um, this prayer declaration three times a day, and it's part of it is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And at the beginning of that, it says, um, I, thought I, I thought I copied and pasted it in here. I'm sorry. It goes through and it says, oh, it says, oh, the Lord, we are one. The God is, God is one. And it's talking about the Godhead. It's talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the same Hebrew word, which I'm going to pronounce here. <laughs> oh, where is it? Ahacht. Ahad. Ahad. E-C-H-A-D. Have fun with that one. Ahad. We're not um, Hebrew scholars. <laughs> right. Ahad. But the same word is translated when those scriptures are being quoted in scripture. So the same one so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God is one. That is the same one that's translated in Hebrew in those verses as they're quoted through Genesis, Mark, Matthew, and Ephesians. That the husband and wife shall be one in the exact same way. That Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one. If you can imagine that. I mean, that is, they are working together in beautiful unison. They have each other's backs in every way. They have the same vision. They have the same, you know, goal. Like, they, they're just, they've got each other's, you know, they've got the best in mind for one another. So that is the purpose of marriage. So, I mean, there's the sexual aspect. I think sometimes we can always look at, like, they shall become one. And then we think about, well, which one are they going to become? No, it's not supposed to be that way. Because yeah. a lot of times it'll be like, oh, they're going to become the dominant one. Yeah. But it's supposed to actually be two people becoming something brand new yeah. together. Yeah. And so I just thought that was neat. So we're going to kind of spin off into our process of becoming one. Yeah. So um, when, you think about, when you think about oneness, uh, it's not like instantaneous, right? I don't know if, I don't know if you guys realize uh, if you've been married a while, but there's moments where you're like, whoa, 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 I thought we were on the same page on this. And we're not on the same page. Because oneness is 
yeah, there's there's an aspect where at the at the marriage uh, or at the at the wedding ceremony there is a oneness that happens, but then there's a process of walking that oneness out. So Rachel and I, we didn't we didn't grow up. Uh, well, I should say this: I didn't grow up in a church. Rachel Rachel grew up in the church. Uh, so there there's people that go to church on Christmas and Easter. I went to church uh, for weddings and funerals, and that was it. Yeah. Now, my family believed in God. We just didn't have any pursuit of him. We didn't know who he actually was. Uh, if you ask my parents back then, they would have said, the Bible is true, but we never opened it. I don't even think we owned a Bible. Uh, so for me, my life was basically centered around me, myself, and I. That's, all I, that's, all, that's the only concept I ever knew. Um, and I was the fourth. The, I was the fourth of four kids, so I'm the youngest, uh, the the smallest. Uh, my my childhood, if I had to describe my early childhood, it was a lot of like wandering and loneliness and isolation. I really never felt like I had I had friends. Uh, I remember in high school to kind of give you an example of how alone I felt. Uh, in high school, I remember this girl coming up and introducing herself to me, and uh, she, she said her name and asked my name and said, are you new in school? And I looked at her, and I said, we've been in the same class for six years, <laughs> you know? And it, like, but that, like, if you can imagine how you would feel in a moment like that, mm-hmm. how uh, unknown, how hidden, how alone you would feel, like, that's, that's my childhood, you know, um, and I, I didn't have any concept of God and who God was. And so, so in, this, in this moment when I was younger of feeling alone, not knowing who I was, lack of identity, um, I was introduced to pornography. Uh, eight, nine, ten is when I started, when I was introduced to pornography. Um, and it was magazines um, that were not at my house. Uh, they were at a different location, but I had access to them. And that's where kind of my brokenness, I guess, when you look at that. Obviously, it started long before that, but that's when pornography got entered in there. Um, and then I remember when our house, when a computer became available at our house and all sorts of new adventures with that kind of just being more broken mm-hmm. and more broken. Um, and that, that's, that's basically what my childhood looked like, is lost, wandering, broken, um, and just honestly just trying to find a sense. I don't, know if, I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but trying to find a sense of I belong or I'm cared for. I remember when we were dating and I told you that I loved you and you started to cry. And you were like, no one's ever told me that my whole life. He was 24. <laughs> and literally. like just to literally give you an idea of like that desire to be loved and to know that you're wanted. And, you know, I wrote down some notes for today. And one of the things I thought about, you guys may have heard this saying like broke, uh, sorry, hurt people, hurt people, right? Um, and, And that's like my parents did the best they could. They just didn't, they didn't know how because they were broken and they were hurt, hurting, you know, so they're trying their best. And then I'm just kind of wandering, trying to to do my best. And uh, but but praise the Lord. Uh, what the reason I'm sitting here right now is because when I was five, I met 
one of my best friends. He was four at the time. Uh, his name's Patrick. He's, a, he's an awesome guy, but Patrick, I always say uh, I lived in his backyard because I lived right behind him. He lived, like, our, our backyards butted up against each other, um, and he, he began, what I would say now is he began to plant seeds of, like, hey, Tim, would you go to church? You want to go to church? You want to go? And he would ask me to church, and there were a few conversations that I had kind of growing up that, uh, that all came to a climax when I was 15. I'll say 15 and 11 months. When I was 15 and 11 months, um, my life just kind of started to fall apart and unravel. I was, I was uh, dating a girl. It was n- nothing more than, hey, let's sit on the, the porch together kind of thing. But I could have told you because of how lonely and isolated I was, I could have told you it would have went somewhere real bad. Um, but she broke up with me. Um, I'll, I'll leave all that kind of aside. But... Um, at that moment, a whole bunch of things came f- flashing into my head. And the, the, the main question that I had at that moment was, how can I choose to not live for God or to live for God unless I know who he is? And, uh, and at that moment, now Patrick had been asking me to church probably three times a week for 10 years. So, like, do the math. It's ridiculous how many times he asked me to church. Uh, but I called him, and I'm like, hey, Patrick, can I go to church with you? I wish I would have asked him in person so I could have seen his face because it probably would have been awesome at that moment. But I was like, hey, can I go to church? And then at that moment is when I came here. Um, and shortly after that, I gave my, my life to Christ. And um, I'm going to let Rachel share now because I've taken you probably more long. Yeah. We'll, okay. we'll so get, our goal we'll of this is to show you how we got to a moment of, we call it sacred confession. And this is something that we are going to walk through with you because, honestly, I, we weren't taught by a pastor to do this. We weren't walked through, like, college ministry. and like, if you're courting, the best way for you to have a wonderful marriage is to have sacred confession. We weren't reading a how-to book. The Holy Spirit led us to do this and just... We felt in our hearts this was the right thing to do. So we're leading up to this moment of sacred confession on how we came from brokenness. We're completely restored, and we were living for the Lord when we met. But how we allowed this time of sacred confession to enter into our marriage, and it has forever been welcomed and present in our marriage. And that's what we're really focusing on tonight is how we set that up to happen. So my childhood, I grew up in a wonderful, loving Christian home. My parents are wonderful parents. Um, My mom and dad were beautifully present, just always knew that I was loved. Um, And I grew up here at Res. And so I had a couple of things happen in my childhood. Um, When I was five, my dad was a pastor, and we were living in the country, and he had on his heart to move us to Grand Rapids. Um, It was just the next thing in his life, and at that same time, my grandfather, so his father-in-law, offered him the family farm, and it was a very large-scale family farm, so this is a very big honor, and as you know, if you're in business, a lot of times, like, fathers or grandfathers would love their children to take over the family business, so it's also a very big honor-respect thing um, that this has been passed down through the generations. But my dad had a very honest conversation and said, I am honored, but that's not my 
like the dream that I have for our, my life. You know, I need to follow the Lord and, and take my family two hours away. So he's taking his daughter two hours away and his grandkids. So at that moment, I had lived on the farm for a couple years, and my dad and my grandpa were the, just the absolute superheroes of my life. And so when that happened, that, you know, denied, I don't want to take over the family farm, it severed their relationship. And so years later, through bringing that to the Lord, I realized that I believed a lie, that if I ever wanted to follow God, or if I wanted to tell the truth of what was going on in my life, I would be severed out of our family. And it was just, you know, your childhood, you're, you're, you're five. I was five. So I witnessed dad told the truth and was cut out of the family for 10 years. So that played into my mind and what happened in the years forward. So from that moment on, my dad didn't return back to the farm. So it was for 10 years he didn't return so we would go to family Christmases, we would go to family get-togethers, and my dad wasn't present. While he wasn't present, which wasn't his fault, you know, all of our families are working through things, you know. He was always present when I, was with, I lived with him. But just when we would go visit family, he wasn't there. I had a couple cousins starting at age five start to do, like, violating touches. So at age five, I mean, pigtails, I had a cousin starting to touch me. And it was one of those things where it was like I had never been taught about, you know, not safe touch, you know, things like that. It's just this is family. Like, you know, like, okay, what's going on here? You just, your body freezes and you don't know what's happening at five years old. I have a five-year-old. And so I started getting touched um, sexually by a cousin of mine. And then on the other side of the family, a teenage male cousin of mine would kind of corner me on the couch and put his, you know, foot in areas that they shouldn't be put, you know, in private areas and, and ask me to go into the bedroom, which I didn't do. But there was just these very inappropriate encounters happening. And I just felt pushed up against the wall through all of my childhood that I didn't tell anybody that this was happening. It just started framing in my mind that like, I, I must just be the person that you just take advantage of. And so this framed into my mind that I couldn't tell anybody, but there's also nothing I could do. I, I, you know, so that turned into, um, I was in a little, you know, play date relationship in second grade. And my sister asked this little boy that I was so interested in, his name was Brad, and he was over for a play date. And my sister goes, do you love Jesus? And he said, no, <laughs> I, I don't believe in God. And she goes, well, you can't date my sister. And so he left me for my best friend. So again, like these lies as a child is like God's going to drive men out of my life. And if I tell the truth, I'm cut out of the family. So what wound up happening is at, in my freshman year, I invited, I had very innocently been getting to know this senior, star football player, star basketball player, would like woo me with like love letters and catch me in the hallway in high school and you know give me lots of compliments and I even invited him to my birthday party that I think was at like a Chuck E. Cheese if that shows you like the innocence of like where I was going with that <laughs> you know like I invited him to church with us like I loved God all of my life like through all of it like I stayed absolutely in love with the Lord I just was withdrawn 
with being honest with anything that was going on. And so I invited him over on a summer day to hang out while my parents were gone. And he sexually violated me. He, he made me have sex with him. And it was, it was very harsh. It was very cold. But then from that moment on, he was just forever present. You know, I danced at all of the varsity games. And so there was just this, like, sever that, like, he took what he wanted and then never... <laughs> did anything else. So if you can just imagine, like, I just lived in this, like, cycle of, like, oh, I just, I guess I welcome this, or I can't tell anybody. So this continued to where, like, I just thought, well, that's all that you're supposed to do. And I educated myself with movies. You know, my only tutor in sexuality was movies. So you have all of Hollywood showing you what relationships look like. You have you know, I mean, pr promiscuity happening everywhere around you. Um, so I was just awakened in areas that, yeah, were not great. <laughs> um, but I just, I lived in that honestly. I was so then addicted to that was like, I don't know, it's an addiction. I, I had unhealthy relationships with men in my life from that moment moving on to 21 years old. And at 16, that next man introduced alcohol into my life. And his mom and dad would serve us alcohol every weekend. So for me, I was getting drunk every weekend from 16 to 21. And I was completely, like, it was my Holy Spirit. Like, it was my comforter. Like, when they say that, like, alcohol are spirits, it is. It was numbing everything that hurt in me which is what I wanted. <laughs> and it just, I don't know, those years just like flew by that I could barely remember. So alcohol was a very big crutch in my life. And I would say, I mean, it, it turned into where I got very addicted to my body. I started competing in figure shows. Um, I got, you know, just into a lot of stuff. But to wrap it all up, all of the... All of those times, the Holy Spirit was pursuing me every second of it because I would have thoughts to like, Rachel, drive your car off into that lake on my way to college because I drove from Grand Rapids to Battle Creek every day, Monday through Friday. And there was this one lake near Hastings and the, the devil would literally give me a, the, the lie to say, drive your car off at 5 a.m., into the lake and no one will ever find you so that your parents won't hurt because your car will just, it was really bad. But the Holy Spirit would say, no, like you're not going to do that. You are so worthy. You are so loved. And that is just the power that all of those years from five years old, you know, being raised in a home where my parents spoke the word and they always loved me. You know, I was, I was always around the word of God and around truth. The Holy Spirit was pursuing me with an aggression. And it came to the point at 21 where I wasn't in a college ministry. I wasn't around friends who loved Jesus. I just was in a very bad relationship that ended and I wound up on my hands and knees in my own living room by myself asking God to be the ruler of my life. And literally just saying, like, I am so sorry for everything that I've done and going through every relationship with him and being like, why didn't I trust you, you know, to just be open and honest with all of this? So 
I would say that I was able to be raw and real because I wasn't coached in it by a person. I was coached in it by the Holy Spirit. He drew me back to him. And from that moment, like everything, I mean, there was a process of healing, right? Because then, like I literally saw after God for six solid months by myself. I would read every book like Joyce Meyer, Battlefield of the Mind. I read that book. That was so healing for my mind. I read um, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot's like courtship book and how he, you know, honored her as a woman and loved the Lord on the mission field and how they did it the right way. I had read Joshua Harris's I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and it taught me how a man was really supposed to treat a woman of God. I never knew that. I never knew that. So I started getting involved in a college ministry, which Heidi, wave your hand, she was part of that college ministry. When I walked in, um, I just loved God with all of my heart. And there was this beautiful college ministry that I got involved in for three years. And it was just this process of learning that I could have brothers in Christ who didn't want to date me, but who, want, who wanted to tell me who I was in Christ and who wanted to run a race next to me. Like, just the freedom in that for a guy to be like, Rachel, you are awesome and have no intention other than being a good friend. <laughs> it was so healing. But what the Lord led me to do was then I started going out on the streets. Like, I would leave all of my friends and go with Mission Possible to Chicago. And on the weekends, I would serve with the Dream Center and I would minister to the prostitutes. I would walk, like I had been set free, right, from sexual bondage and from addiction to alcohol. And from, honestly, I didn't have a man selling me as a slave. I had the devil <laughs> selling me as a slave. So, right, it doesn't matter if you choose to get in that lifestyle. It's the enemy who's ushering you into that lifestyle. And so I was free. So I had a reckless, like no one could stop me. I didn't need security. Like I was on the streets at 1 a.m. looking those women in the eyes and saying, do you know how beautiful you are? Do you know how valuable you are? Do you know that God loves you? Do, you know, like just can I take you out to dinner? Can, you know, can I take you to breakfast right now? You know, just, um, just loving them. And then it set me on a path to go to Bangkok, Thailand. I started working with women rescuing them out of sex trafficking. So you can see the difference here. <laughs> like, I spent three years being reclaimed. And so I would not allow a man to even try to date me. Like, there was just a, you know, an, an N-O, no. I had no interest because I needed to understand intimacy and rom rom being romanced by Jesus. I needed, to be under, I needed to understand how, what God thought of me so that no man would ever have to tell me who I was, ever, for the rest of my life, because Jesus defined who I was. And so it was such a process. So when we came together, like I planned on forever working, you know, my testimony out to bring others into that same freedom or to save them from going down the same road, you know, how a lie entered and went into a belief of who you are. I wanted to forever spend my life doing this. And my husband someday was going to need to be very okay with where I came from and what I had come out of because I wasn't in bondage to it anymore. 
It wasn't out of a place of like, oh, I'm a victim. I'm going to, you know, I'm hurting from that still. I mean, we're always being brought to a deeper level of healing, right? From our past, always. Like God's always going to bring another root. If there's something there, he's going to come in. And I needed, I knew that I needed to honor the man that God had brought into my life by sharing with him what I, what, what makes me, me. (laughs) So kind of jumping back to my story for a quick second. So I get saved when I'm 16 and it wasn't like an instant, everything fell off, everything broken and I was perfect by any means, but that started a process of healing. People will ask me often like, Hey Tim, how did you, you know, be pornography and stuff like that. And it's like, I can't think of one thing that I did that was like, yeah, that was it. But what I could tell you is that I began to pursue Jesus for who he actually was. And that just kind of fell off because I found out who I was. And as I found out who I was, uh, I began to walk out my identity and I, I felt the, the restoration, you know, from, from, from Jesus. So um, I get saved when I'm 16 uh, I spend two years in the youth program here, and I'm graduating high school, and I say, God, where do you want me to go? And I felt like the Lord said, Michigan State. Go green. <laughs> uh, so I'm not getting in, and I'm like, Lord, what in the world? I'm not getting in. So finally, I'm like, Lord, I need to get in if you want me to be there. The next day, I open up my mailbox, and I get a letter that says, congratulations, you've been accepted. Uh, so I'm super stoked. I'm like, yes, I'm going where the Lord wants me to go. I'm so excited. And uh, I get packed up and I head to Michigan State. And one thing I didn't realize is the importance of friends. Because I didn't have any solid friends at Michigan State. And if I could tell you one thing, like that first semester at Michigan State was super dark and lonely for me. And uh, the devil attacked and I tried to get all this stuff brought back into my life. And I remember I came back here for Christmas. Uh, I came back here. This is 2003, December of 2003. I come back here uh, and I, I get connected with my friends. Uh, Patrick, the guy I was talking to earlier, um, he's back because he's touring around the nation doing worship with another guy named Matt. They're here. Like the three of us get connected with some of our other friends. And I remember like January 5th or whatever it was, I'm driving back to Michigan State. Uh, it's Sunday. Uh, I got class the next morning and I'm driving back there and I get like two-thirds of the way there, and I remember, like, holding onto my wheel, the steering went really hard and saying, Jesus, I need friends like that at Michigan State. If I'm going to be healthy, I need friends like that at Michigan State, and I remember getting there, and I go to my door, and I look at my door, and there's a handwritten note saying, hey, you should check out Spartan Christian Fellowship, and I'm like, I think I will, so I grab that thing, and I'm like, yeah, and uh, through that note, I get connected with a couple of guys, and I start going to Campus Crusade for Christ, um, real life at Michigan State, and, uh, and this is where my story of who I am in Jesus really begins to unfold, because that first semester, the second semester of my freshman year, uh, I start attending a men's Bible study, and through that, I learn about what it means to like live intentionally with men, trying to sharpen each other, and I go back for my second year, and I feel uh, I, I get asked to co-lead the, a Bible study, so I co-lead a Bible study, and then my third year going back, I get asked to, to lead a Bible study, and I'm leading a Bible Bible study, and things are going awesome, you know, like complete flip from what it was that first semester to what it is now in my sixth 
sixth semester at Michigan State. And I remember getting out my computer to sign up for the next year, and I felt the Lord say, Tim, if you come back, it's going to be dangerous. And it was really weird for me. Because I'm like, and it wasn't like, hey, it's not going to be healthy, but literally I felt the word danger. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to go home. So that's when I, this is 2006, and uh, I transferred to Grand Valley. Um, and in May of 2006, I started on staff here underneath Pastor Daniel. Woo woo. Um, uh, working as a youth worship intern, and then uh, and then I was a youth. I was a regular youth intern, and then I was a youth pastoral intern in 2009. And I was standing about right there playing guitar, and some girl, some super hot babe, walks up in here during worship, and I'm like, who that? And uh, <laughs> my wife, Rachel, uh, she came in with my father-in-law, Ted, He's the man. Uh, they came in, and she was sitting about right there, and I was sitting about right over there, and I kept looking like this. The whole service. Pastor Daniel, sorry I didn't listen to you at all. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, I remember after service, I'm like, I got to meet this girl. So I talked with her dad for 45 minutes back there at the back side of that counter, waiting for her to come around after service. So we're sitting there, we're sitting there, and He's then... He's easy to talk yeah, to. Yeah, he is easy, it's for sure. It was like five minutes. But I remember uh, Rachel came around. We found out we went to the same high school, but we never knew each other. She's one year older than I am. Uh, so I married up, just saying, uh, in every aspect of the way. Uh, but um, our, our story, we'll just kind of wrap it up with this. Uh, we met April 27th. Oh, no, I'm going to... Was it 26th? Oh, no. This is forever recorded. April 26th, we started dating Joe. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, April 26th, I'll, I'll give the, April 26th, 2009, we met. We started dating July 10th, 2009. We got engaged September 12th, 2009. And we got married December 4th, 2009. So it was, it was fast. Uh, we spent a ton of time getting to know each other. But the coolest thing that, that happened inside of our dating and our engagement, and even before that in our getting to know, like we both had come to a healthy place, right? We both had come to a healthy place. So we're passionately pursuing Jesus on our own. And now... She's passionately pursuing, I'm passionately, and I look over and I'm like, hey, she's pretty awesome. And we got to know each other all the time. We could probably thank Pastor Daniel and Amanda for a lot of the getting to know each other so much. But we were everywhere together, just in groups. We never hung out alone until July 10th. I remember because we're going over to Daniel and Amanda's house, we're going to watch a movie and forever we had never ridden together in a car. And at that moment, we got, I got in her car yeah, it was a I big deal. Me and Amanda were at Costco, and, and Daniel like, and Tim came. And Tim's like, "Can I switch spots with Amanda?" And I was like, "Me and Amanda were like, <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be alone oh goodness, with me oh in a goodness, car? Oh That's illegal for him." That's <laughs> yeah, set up good boundaries. But yeah. in that time, because we both had gone through so much and we both received so much healing together, we got to then 
begin to share our lives, our, our, our past, our history, uh, in what Rachel referred to as like moments of sacred confession. Um, and it all came, a lot of it came out, um, there was one evening where we were at my house. I lived with four other dudes. It was the man house, and it was awesome. Uh, those guys, it was cool because everyone loved the Lord. So, uh, But we would never be in a house together. And I remember we were over there, and like people were leaving. So like we went outside, and we ended up just kind of hanging out in the yard. Um, and we began to share this story of where Jesus brought us from and where we were at. And we cried and snot and uh, we rejoiced. Yeah. Well, honestly, because you have such freedom and you know that Jesus sees you the way that you are, you know, which is made whole in him. Um, but there was that one last chain to be taken off was, well, you're not going to be deserving. Well, not that, but like you're going to have to, t- you need to tell your husband someday before he asks you to marry him or any time like there just needs to be a time you know that I just knew that I wanted to do it before because I needed that to be accomplished and it was a very big deal to be like he chose me he still chose me (laughs) like after all of that you know it just there's something so like we said real and raw and this is just the way the Holy Spirit laid this out and brought a conviction to us but honestly, it's the way that we and what we're created to live marriage is that way. It's yeah. that kind of intimacy. Yeah. You know, and this, and this really has carried itself into our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure all of us can relate to times in our marriage where we feel like, man, we have to hide this because if they know this, then they're then then it's going to be all over or whatnot. Yeah. You know, and we're all at different places, but what it comes down to is how does it look for Tim to be real and raw to Rachel? I love when you look in the Garden of Eden, it says that they were naked and unashamed. And I think in today's culture, it's really hard to understand what that fully means. But it's not just a physical nakedness, it's, a, an, it's an emotional nakedness. Um, I love in, in, the, in the New Testament, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, well, what does it mean for Tim to love Rachel with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength? Obviously, God's number one, but Rachel's number two. You know, and when I read that naked and unashamed, I think we've got to have marriages where we're fully open with each other. And there's just, again, we're all in different places, but what is one step, what's the next step that the Lord's got for us to be more raw, to be more real with each other? Um, uh, Jimmy Evans, Jimmy Evans says intimacy is into me seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does it look like for me to allow Rachel to see into me, yeah. to see who I actually am? Because she's the one person that she's the closest person to me that can help me walk out this. Now I have men in my life. I've got pastor Daniel that I go to when I'm, when I'm going with, so I can go right to him and I can be like, here it is. So I've got men that I can be raw and real with too. And she's got, Rachel's got women. And she can be like, here's what's going on. So we have these people. We have a community. But what does it look like? Because uh, we, can't, we can't expect to have full intimacy if we're not allowing 
an environment where intimacy can happen. Yeah, and I'm just going to go ahead and share something that could be a jaw dropper for you guys, but I feel like I need to because a lot of what we shared is like, oh, we did this before we were engaged. Well, we're all in this room married now, so if there's things that like the Holy Spirit could be like, oh, they, I would really actually like to talk to them about that. I want to share that this has continued and like we've had to be obedient to this still to this day. So we, I think I was pregnant with our third baby, and I had just had something on the inside of me where I'm like, gosh, something's just not right. Like I, I just felt a little bit more like angry at home, like, you know, just moody and not my normal, like peaceful, happy, joyful, optimist self. And so I can tell when I'm like that. (laughs) I'm like, something's wrong. And it was a Wednesday night youth night and we were all joined in there years ago. And I told Tim, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to go with friends of ours, um, who are Matt and Brenda Davis, and they were going to be sharing their testimony at a church um, out of town, a Res Life church out of town on a Wednesday night. And I asked him, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to go with them and be a prayer intercessor. And he's like, definitely go. And so that was a big deal for me to miss youth ministry. But again, it's being obedient to like, God, you need to work something out in me. So I'm going to go take care of me. So I went with them, had dinner with the pastor, went and was their prayer intercessor as they're sharing their testimony and in worship god had brought something back to me to my remembrance because in my past there was a lot of alcohol and there was a lot honestly there's a lot of memories just seared out too because i've been healed from them (laughs) um but there was something that i didn't remember that i had done in my past and it was when i was in that toxic relationship that brought me to my knees It was with a man that I just was over the moon in a very infatuation way, a very not holy way with, and I knew that he did not want to have children. And so we had made poor decisions and had alcohol in us making those poor decisions, and the next morning I went and got a morning after pill and took that. So that's what the Lord brought back to my memory is that I had done that. And I had never grieved it. Like, I had never actually, like, knew the repercussions because now, like, I'm living for the Lord. Like, now there's more understanding of things. There's more, like, depth in things. But I didn't even remember that I had done that. And so I just, I remember right away, like, on the drive home, they, like, were ordering Taco Bell, and I'm in the back seat just crying because I'm just sitting on it, letting the Holy Spirit wash over me, you know, and, like, repenting, and then talking to the Holy Spirit about it in the back seat. And then I confessed to my friends. And it was hard because this was a friend. She had got had a teen pregnancy and she had her baby. And so it was like a very humble, very, you know, me laying myself down to be like, I need to confess to a friend that I did this and be free <laughs> completely. But then I needed to confess to the person I didn't want to tell the most, right? Because I had, you know, it's forever there. Like, we're one. So even when I'm getting healed from something, I want to tell my spouse what I'm getting healed from. Like, so he, like, we're one. Like, this is a totally different partnership here than a partnership that you have with anybody else in your life other than God. And so I came home that night. We got our kids to bed, and I told him. And, of course, he was so loving and understanding, but he Like, I was grieving, you know, because it hit me. Like, it's like, how could I not remember this? You know, and 
I could have a baby in heaven. I had no idea. Like, it just, it hit me really hard because I love kids so much. But now, like, I go down to the Planned Parenthood, you know, and minister to those women. So, again, it's just that next level of, like, what the enemy meant for evil. I'm going to throw up in his face <laughs> and turn it around for good. And I am going to love all of the, you know, love women yeah. and be an advocate for women in that position. Yeah. And also be open, you know. So, like, I just want to be real and raw with you guys because that's real relationship. Like, shame is the devil's plan to keep yeah. us chained to these things. And in Hebrews, it says, Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising, or in other versions, it says disregarding. Yeah. It's shame. And then after enduring that, he was immediately placed at the right hand of his father. Like that's our promise. Yeah. If we can go into intimacy with our husband or our wife because of the joy set before us and what God could bring us into, if we can just disregard and despise shame for like the things that are in us, the things, decisions in life that we've made or are in that we're making, the thoughts that we're having about ourselves, you know, that whatever it is, your beliefs, your relationships, if we can despise it and disregard it, kind of take like the power away from that we will be immediately in the presence of our father because when shame is removed we are restored into presence with our father but that is where I mean you want this relationship to be forever pursuing that so I wanted to share something just deep with you that like was something that I had to go there and it's just the more you do it the more you're just like wow, like they, they still choose me. <laughs> they still love me. You know, yeah. it's powerful. So really there's kind of two takeaways uh, for tonight. In a second, I want to step through real quick what it looks like for us and our challenge will be for you to love your spouse with all your heart more, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Like, what does that look like? And we'll kind of go through that quickly. But the, 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 I think the big takeaway is this. There's a big realization that you're not the result of the things from your past, right? Just because something is in your past doesn't mean that's who you are. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. When... When Rachel and I got married, we were both new creations. We stepped into something beautiful out of our newness. And that's just, and the devil will try to bring stuff back up into your past and try to accuse you of things. And what is the, what is, resist the devil and he will, it doesn't, you don't even have to stand up and fight. All you got to do is put up a little resistance and he runs away, you know. Um, resist the devil, he'll flee. You are a new creation. And this thing called marriage is an amazing thing that you get to come in and you get to be real and open. So when I think of loving Rachel with all my heart, the first thing I thought about is this is like our spiritual connection. It's like, how do I make sure that Rachel and I are in one place spiritually? And yeah, we've got, we're the same page on, on on our belief structure and that, but it's also, what does it look like for Tim to continue to pursue the Lord? And for Rachel to continue to pursue the Lord. And I was thinking about this, and I, I remember seasons of our marriage where we've sat down side by side and we've read the Bible together. And then we had kids. You all laugh because it's true. You know, you can't do this. You can't spend 
six and a half hours every day with a cup of coffee. And it was the no. Um, so we've had seasons where it's like that, but there's, there's seasons where it's like, I'm going to get my time and then I'm going to take the kids so that she can have her time with God because that's what it's going to take. But making sure that we're both individually pursuing the Lord seeking to be more like Jesus, to have more of Jesus inside of us, spending time in worship. And that's, I think, what it looks like for us to love each other with all of our heart, yeah. where it's just like making sure. And, and for me, I look at like the word husband is husbandi. It's an old Norse word, and it means cultivator of the home. And it's like, I'm going to create an environment where Rachel can flourish in her, in her pursuit of Jesus. So I'm going to take that on. He does. He sweeps in like my knight in shining armor when he's home. All the kids are like in a line, <laughs> like, like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the other one I thought about was, um, was uh, love the Lord with all your mind. So then what does it look like for me to love Rachel with all my mind? If I'm to love Jesus with all my mind, I also, there's an aspect of that that I can do for Rachel. And uh, it's, it's my thought life. And I can't tell you how many times I've been with couples and they just, whether in the presence of their spouse or not in the presence of their spouse, they just bad mouth their, their, their husband or their wife. And it's like, for me to love Rachel with all my mind is to love her with all my thought life. And a lot of that comes down to me making sure that she knows that whether she's there or whether she's not, I'm going to, I'm going to speak the world of her to the people that I'm with. Like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, I'm never going to bash her. I'm never going to put her down. I'm always going to build her up. My goal is that everyone that I talk to about my wife would realize that she is the most amazing woman in the world. And I'm going to make sure, and she does that for me. I've never had the thought of like, I wonder what Rachel is saying to her friends about me. <laughs> like, I've never had that thought because she loves me with all of her mind. I think of one time I was out with Jenna. She's been the back here, uh, McPherson and Chris. And Jenna looked at me and she goes, you just really love your husband, <laughs> don't you? I'm like, Praise I do. The I Lord. really do. <laughs> um, I think what Tim was saying is huge, like for a heart. So in Ephesians 5.31, um, so it goes on in a couple verses later, it says to, you know, it goes through, and the wife shall respect her husband, and the husband shall lay himself down sacrificially for his wife. And so respect is such a big deal. And even in having these real and raw conversations, um, something that helped us so much was going to a weekend to remember. There's such a great conference, um, Focus on the Families, Weekend to Remember for Learning communication, like growth in your communication. And so framing things in, when you said that, it made me feel this. Wait, what did I say? Like when I said something. Yes. When you said, <laughs> fill in the blank. conversation happens. When, yeah. when, when, when you said, fill in the blank, it made me feel like you were embarrassed you know, about me or, you know, was that what you were, is that what you're trying to communicate or am I hearing that wrong? And, and trying to like, so that was like really great, like communication 101 <laughs> or like, Hey, when, when you did that, it, it made, made me, me feel, feel this way. Recognizing that it's a feeling, not yeah. necessarily like you tried to hurt me. No, when you said that it made me feel hurt. Right. And yeah. so 
that that's huge. So like just a culture of honor is like a big deal for us. And so like even in our table discussion time, like we didn't want to have table discussion at the end of this because we don't want to be like, do you want to get real and raw right now with all the couples at your table? <laughs> Not a good thing. So Bust open yeah. and Arnold Palmer and let's go. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that honestly, to be able to build an atmosphere, to be able to be real and raw with each other, it takes time to know like, I can trust you. I trust you that you care about me and that you want the best for me yeah. so I can be real and raw with you. And I think that's just, it progresses with how you use your words with your spouse. There's a time to seek spiritual counsel and a good counselor will guide you in your explanation so you don't just get to throw up about how horrible you think your spouse is. Um, but even in here, in married life, we want a culture of honor. Like we want this to be able to be a place that your spouse wants to come again with you because they felt safe here. Um, not like, a, hey, let's hash this out and tell, tell on our spouse at the table. We, we want to be, you know, sharing, but we always want to be sharing with honoring and loving our spouses. And I think as the church does that in marriage, that is a witness to the world yeah. with how we talk about each other. Come on. Uh, so we got to love God with all of our heart. I went through with all of our mind. One of them is with all of our soul. And when I think of loving Rachel with my soul, it's like making sure that we're emotionally connected. And one of the things we make a habit of is, I can even think of a couple times recently, where I've said something and immediately I can feel the weight that I put on her with my words. You know, like I said something and it came across just not right, not proper. Uh, it, it maybe like hurt her or whatever. And, and in that moment, just honestly. He doesn't going, do it very often, so I'm trying to even think of yeah. an example. Just, <laughs> going and, just going and saying, well, well, I can see, I can see that, that what I did, I, I, I hurt you. And in 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 like connecting with her emotionally and saying like that was not that was not my intention, mm -hmm. you know, and just being a, a genuine, like, I'm sorry that I said that. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't mean that. Yeah. I remember in the first years of our marriage, I was a freeze outer. They talk about like, are you a yeller <laughs> or a freezer? Like you just like freeze, like you don't talk anymore. Like you just shut them out or you retreat, like you leave. <laughs> and I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he was You're not so just away. gracious to coach me through staying and having difficult conversations. But I think that that's huge because that's when you begin, that's when you love each other with your soul yeah. is just like clarifying even like, did you, okay, when you said that, I, it made me feel that you, that you meant this, you know, is that, is that what you meant? And that's where like, that is so huge because most of the time it's like, no, or I'll be like, Ooh, I can tell he's, he, t oh, cause he'll like tell me, uh, his response to something I'll say. And I'll be like, there was one time just recently, I'm like, can we back up a little bit? Can I re-say what I just said? Because I think that it, I said it wrong. <laughs> Can you give me another chance? And I think just getting really comfortable with communication, like that's that's huge. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and then um, the last one is strength. And this is like the physical connection between a husband and wife. And I think what went through most of your minds right now was sex. And that is definitely a part of it. There has to be a healthy 
sex life between a husband and a wife. But there, there, there's more than that. And you mentioned something the other day. Do you remember what you mentioned about how I show you love with my strength? Oh, yeah. So all through our marriage, whenever we've had a kid who's wet the bed, our entire marriage, even when we had newborns, like he would get up, change the baby's diaper, and get me all set up to nurse the baby. Okay, I'm sorry, husbands. Like, he is ridiculously. <laughs> He's very sacrificial. So, sorry, women. Uh, but this could encourage your husbands. Anytime a kid wets the bed, he, like the kid goes to him. And he changes the bed this with me ever choice. knowing that this has happened. So, like, <laughs> he will have, like two bed changes in the middle of the night and I will have no idea that it happened. And just this week, I, I always try to praise that, right? Like, Tim, did I hear somebody get up in the middle of the night? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, this kid. And I was like, I don't think I've ever told you like how much that showed me love because you, you have to go to work the next day, but, but you view it as I'm here in the thick of it with the kids doing a lot of dirty work so you take that 10 minutes out and you take care of that portion so that I can get a good night's rest and that I'm not doing the dirty work in the middle of the night. And I just praised him for it. Like, I don't, I don't know how to thank you enough that you've just always taken that upon yourself that I don't even know that a kid wakes up ever. I think everybody always sleeps great through the night and he's got like dogs puking everywhere, like pee everywhere, dripping down the wall. And I have no idea. And he's just, that's loving me with his strength. <laughs> so we're called to, we, we've got to be spiritually connected to our spouse. Mm -hmm. We've got to be emotionally connected uh, with our minds and our thoughts connected and then physically connected with our spouse. So it all comes down to this. Our question for you, and we're going to end with this because time-wise, we got some quick announcements here we're going to get to in a minute. Um, I'm going to give you a challenge and pray, and then we'll go into announcements. But our challenge is this. For you as a couple, what's one thing that you could do that would take one step? We're not asking you to run a marathon tonight. We're just saying what's one thing you could do that would take a step towards being more spiritually connected, more emotionally connected, more uh, connected through our thoughts, and then physically connected. Sound good? Just one step. We're not asking you to do a ton, just one step. Let me pray, and then we're going to get going. Father, I just thank you for every couple that is present in this room. Lord, first, I ask you to bless them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've brought each and every one of us into something amazing and new, and that you look at us, and we are, we are new in Christ. And, Father, we want, our, we want our marriages to be representations of heaven on earth. And that comes down to each and every one of us choosing to pursue our spouse above all, except you. We put you first, Lord, and then our spouse. So we love you, we love you, Jesus, and I bless every marriage in here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.